Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined as always by the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Matt, good to see you as always. And always a pleasure. I even got a nicer shirt on today for you. I know. I appreciate that. You actually put a collar on, and I took my collar off, so I can actually, so I can actually rock some Badgers gear for uh, for the first time in in a while. Usually, I'm wearing my. But we have uh, our our uniform is coming, right? Yes, one day the, it'll come. One day, Ho- hopefully, hopefully by the time we have Monty on the podcast uh, later this week, we will have our uniforms in tow. But um, for the meantime, we have uh, one of my favorite return guests. From BadgerBlitz.com, senior writer Jake Okorowski. Jake, great to see you again. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. It's good seeing your faces. I know we're I don't know, maybe I'm going behind the curtain too much here, but I know we're on the Zoom call, so I get to see your faces again. It's been a while, especially you know for you guys, for you, Matt. I haven't seen you in years. I know though we're Facebook friends, but you guys also get to see my Hulk green colored be- uh, bedroom uh, because I don't have a studio. I did not mean to make this a Hulk green studio. It's supposed to be a nice forest green. I wanted some good energy in the room when I worked as this office, and then it turned into Hulk green. But so you guys get to see some of my behind the curtain on my end so my favorite marvel character so <laughs> i like it i appreciate it the, you know, on my the wife oh i love it we're it'll be changed by the end of the by winter it's one of my honey-do lists so but thanks for having me on guys appreciate you of course oh, of course you know i uh i'm probably one of the few people who's really just like not a, like a superhero movie guy in general so I, i've never seen a single like marvel cinematic universe movie um which is Kind of wild, yeah. I'm dead serious. I've never seen an, an MCU movie. You're a, you're a human being on this planet. I am. I'm a human <laughs> being who a Marvel movie. I'm a human being who taught at film schools for ten years and never saw a Marvel movie. But probably because I was spending most of my time watching what? like classic Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, fair. Well, that's right. Your favorite movies from like 1920 something, right? 1936. Yeah, bringing up baby. Yeah. So, um, you know, classic screwball comedy. So uh, anyway, before we get into it, I want to remind you guys that we are indeed presented by betonline.ag. It's that time of the year again, gentlemen. All eyes are turning to football. Teams are back. We had five games over the weekend for week zero, uh, including uh, a nice little upset of Illinois over Nebraska. Welcome back to the Big Ten, Brett Bielema. Um, as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests including their big half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest, the world's largest NFL survivor pool uh, for payout up to $200,000. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus and take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, on the opener between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded for up to $25 when you sign up using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. That's Bet Online, your online sports book experts. And we also have a new sponsor that I'm going to mention really quick Balance Seven. Uh, they are a, uh, they do a bunch of like alkaline waters and things like that. 
uh, specifically targeted towards older athletes. Lamar Odom is their big spokesperson. He's using it to go back to playing pro basketball over in Spain. He's been doing some uh, celebrity boxing now after he was laid up in the hospital with some pretty severe illnesses just a couple of years ago. So uh, check out check out balance7.com and use the code believe that's B-L-E-A-V for free shipping and balance7.com. Gents, I can't believe we're five days away from game day as we are recording. I am so happy. Um, for those of you who have not been uh, reading Badger Blitz, A, uh, do it, subscribe today because they are, they, they've just got the best content. They've got the best writing. And Jake especially has just been absolutely killing the keyboard with his uh, camp recaps. Now, before we get into talking about Penn State, let's look back at fall camp. You were at uh, what, like probably like a dozen practices or so, Jake. Matt, you were at practice. So, Jake, I'm curious from you, what would you say is the biggest thing that you noticed in either in terms of difference or biggest thing that stood out to you from this fall camp? Yeah, we were there for about, I think, eight open practices they allowed the reporters to attend and and then one 30-minute session at the beginning of camp where I was able to like take some photos and get some highlights and get the injury report uh, that they had. Uh, that was the first day of camp that Friday, the 6th, I think. But really, the biggest thing I took away from it, y'all, is really the, the defense and the pressure it put on overall. And it, it really intrigued me where last year, you know, and Jim Leonard talked about it today during his media availability about how he felt there was pressure last year, but they just didn't get home like the production. So they had only 11 sacks in seven games. There were a lot of quarterback hurries uh, for that matter, but they just didn't get home. And that could have affected the game more uh, or the game, the outcomes of the contest more like last year, this year though, I'm seeing, uh, you know, and again, it's, it's fall camp. The defense is usually head of the offense for, for the most part, you know, and, and Paul agreed with us a couple weeks ago about that, but it was really intriguing just to see the levels of the defense getting the pressure. So it wasn't just the the inside linebackers that we thought would be were Jack Sanborn or for that matter, Leo Chanel just seemed like he popped out immediately. It seemed like every practice up oh, Chanel's in the backfield again. You also saw like on the edge, Nick Herbig, who I thought had a really, really good camp, the second year player out of Hawaii. And then Spencer Lytle, who, you know, the, the, you know, was it Richard sophomore from California really stood out too. And on, t- on top of that, you got, right, you don't see Beyonce and my son's behind me. Uh, but what basically what happened is yeah, I thought that there was pressure there. And then on top of that, there was pressure from, you know, like from the safeties, like Scott Nelson came in uh, that, you know, Jim knows how to work the secondary and, and putting pressure on putting matchups. But I think maybe the biggest one was the defensive line where we saw, Keanu Benton, Matt Henningsen get in the backfield. They talked about, you know, Henningsen and Benton both talked and discussed for that matter, how in this philosophy of the defensive line changed a little bit where they're not just two gapping anymore. Rodas Johnson actually brought that up to me first. And I kind of asked Benton and Henningsen about it. And it's more just, you know, they can do that. They can eat at the blocks or they can go and attack and, and get in the backfield. And if they do, they make the play and it's, you know, trying to get that penetration and, and, you know, trying to be more disruptive in that backfield too. So I, that to me, out of everything stood out in fall camp. I, I, the offense is always behind a little bit, in, but a little bit from what I'm hearing a lot is that they're very behind. I had people texting me during open practice that they, the first thing they said was the defense is way ahead. Is that true? Are we looking at the productivity that we've had 
What about the Illinois game last last year? Like, are we looking at at that productivity from the offense? They just came out. I was surprised at the starting running back. So I'm interested to hear first about the defense, but then talking about some of the offenses. I'm an offensive guy. I don't really care about the defense. Okay. <laughs> I trust Jim Leonard. You know, I trust Jim Leonard with my baby. You know, like right. he'll defend my baby from every single guy <laughs> or girl or anyone in this world. So I trust him to get it done. I always look at the offense and say, we're not proven. What I'm hearing from camp is it's defense. That's what I mean. Listen, Matt, you tell me right. I love to spend my time there. And because uh, I listen, Jimmy's going to get the guys. He's a genius. Right. But I want to get his attitude, too. So let's go back to that. But I, I ask you. Yeah. Well, when it comes to that offense uh, and Matt, when I would like. I thought the 18th of August is when they really turned it on. And that was during mm-hmm. when that was, that was like the second time that we saw them fully padded up. Uh, and the first time was a few days before that Saturday where the defense, I just wrote about it. I remember writing about it and saying they were dominant uh, in that practice on the, was it the 14th, four days later on the 18th, it was a different story where the offense looked crisper. Mm-hmm. They took it up to another level. Uh, you know, that 18th, that 14th practice, that sat, that first Saturday practice we saw was just, I mean, that defense was just flying. They're making interceptions. Uh, they're breaking out. There's pressure, et cetera. Um, it, that, that Wednesday practice, the second Wednesday practice that we saw really kind of stood out to me. Is like, okay, that's that spark that they were looking at. They had four, I would call them four would be, I'm putting for those that don't see a quotation mark for would be touchdowns. They're on an 80 yard field, just North of camp Randall. Is it truly a touchdown? I put it, I mean, there was at least one during a, you know, red zone period or no, it wasn't a red zone period. They drove on the field and, and, Graham Mertz found Danny Davis for a touchdown. Uh, Chase Wolf threw a couple touchdown passes. One was on a bro coverage to Jalen Franklin. Uh, and even I think it was, was a Deacon Hill or Vanden Boom that threw one to uh, Mike Gregory at the end. But there were sparks there. You saw the rhythm. You saw things flowing with the offense that, that you want to see. And I think, you know, Graham Mertz, when he gets in a rhythm, I mean, it's was not a very good quarterback. Once they get in a rhythm, especially in the college level, you see good things happening. Uh, and you saw that, I think, off a little bit more play action stuff where it wasn't necessarily true RPO, but it was you, you quick fake to the running back, pauses for a second. He hits Kendrick Pryor for like a 10 to 20 yard gain. Uh, so I think things started rolling that second week, that the full week that we really started to see him uh, and whatnot. Uh, it, I think it was more startling to me just to see how dominant the defense looked with that pressure. And, mm. and to me, that's what really stood out. I think uh, there's also one thing to note out of that group was really the offensive line with, you didn't have Tyler beach out there at left tackle for any of the 11 on 11 periods. And you saw Logan Brown. I think he held his own pretty well, the former, you know, four-star stand, you know, prospect, but you know, Logan Bross was out for a couple of practice for a few practices too. So you're flipping the offensive line where, you know, I think I counted four guys playing left tackle during fall camp where it wasn't beach. It was Logan Brown, Tanner Bordellini, but then Bordellini slips, you know, flips over to the right side. And then he's injured during the same practice as Brown uh, on that Saturday where the defense just, you know, dominated. And then on top of that, you had Riley Ballman, a true freshman out on the edge. And then uh, Michael Furtney went out uh, to the right side. And then you had Cormac Sampson go on the left side again for tackle until, uh, you know, for the practice that we saw. So there's, there's, st- there's also competition at the offensive line where, the interior parts where Seltzner uh, was going up against Cormac Sampson before all the injuries. And then you have Caden Lyles and Joe Titman, And now we see Titman being the number one center on the game notes that was distributed today. And then Jack Nelson, who I think, you know, I don't, 
the mentality of him as a redshirt freshman, we've heard it. We've, we've heard, we've seen the intensity that he plays with. Um, I think they're still trying to, they were still trying to figure out some things at that point on offense, but I like, from what I saw, they still, even though maybe it hadn't been in the rhythm, they were still making plays. There's a Graham Mertz throw where Jim Redike lays out uh, during a red zone period. He hits Kendrick Pryor with a great one-handed catch, you know, where he puts it where only Pryor could make it. So there are signs of the offense getting going and, and being what you, what you should expect from this group with the, the talent that they have at the receiver position uh, and whatnot. So I think on that end, it was just the defense just, I think was really good. And I, you know, it's, it's hard to say for me to just say, Hey, where's this offense where we saw all those injuries uh, on the line and whatnot. But I, I thought things started going. And even that Saturday at open practice uh, on the 21st, you saw some good things and, you know, Mertz hits DK for a red zone touchdown. You saw some good passes. He was hitting Jake Ferguson on a few passes. One was really, I mean, you put him right where it needs to be. It's right where, you know, um, on the run, crossing to the left, hits him on a dime, just in the perfect window that no one else could find. So I, I, I like some things from, what you know the offense did it's just the defense to me looked that much more in sync and just blowing up plays and you know you jimmy's your former teammate matt you know that what he can do and just the the mastermind and just how he's going to throw the kitchen sink at an offense and say hey okay try to stop it uh and he it appeared he did (laughs) no i love i mean listen i i do love to hear that the defense is doing well right don't ever talk about it because it's not my area of expertise but what, so what is it like when you're, you know, you had coach Chris is calling the plays now. So from your, like, what, what's the vibe out there on the field? Like, is it different from, um, oh my God, now I'm blanking on who was calling it last week. Oh, from, from Joe, from what from Joe Rudolph, Rudolph was doing. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. I mean, with what Rudolph was doing, I, don't, I didn't necessarily feel a different vibe. I, I think the, the year of experience though, it makes a difference in just what they're trying to do. I and mean, it's not like they're, they're calling in plays necessarily from like the sidelines or whatnot, from what we had seen where, um, I'm trying to think back about the offenses and just how they were lined up. Cause most time they usually like half the field or the offense would be directly behind, you know, where the line of scrimmage would be. And they'd be like 15, 20 yards behind, but they wouldn't be on the sideline or anything. So um, it really, I, you know, I think the vibe was just, you know, even just getting the the periods down, I didn't see too much of a change, but you know, when they started rolling, you saw things going, uh, mm-hmm. going well. And, you know, I even saw like, especially towards the, maybe the end of that, or maybe that second week, um, the running game starting to pick up a little bit more with the holes going and, and seeing Ches Malusi, you know, have a nice run or, or burger. You know, I remember there was a, one practice, it's only a couple of plays, but you still saw some glimmers where Malusi had a nice run. And then right after that, Jalen Berger had a nice back-to-back run mm-hmm. where they're able to get, you know, into the second level of the, of the defense. And on top of that too, Isaac Rendo had a really, I thought the second week of practice, he looked a lot better. You know, he's not, I talked to him last week about it. You know, he's healthy. He was able to get reps and people have always spoken about how good Garendo could be. Uh, You know, I remember Garrett Groshek telling me back in spring of 19, just once he stops trying, you know, like thinking too much and just Mm -hmm. be running back, he's going to be special. And Joe Rudolph talked about his, like his speed, you know, the past couple of years too, it's just getting healthy and going from there. So, you know, I think that the backfield is going to be that. I think you saw some signs there too. And um, I, I think the vibes are good. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they do against the Penn state defense, not facing themselves because there are, there is a familiarity with having 21 and 12 personnel and, and going up against Wisconsin, you know, going up against the same offense and knowing similar plays, even though yeah, there's so much, so many plays in Paul Chris playbook, but 
there is a familiarity there of what's going to happen. So uh, I think there are good signs ahead, Matt, for for the offense. But, but how to pivot for one second? How yes. is it to have it home in Madison for the first time to have fans? Uh, for me, like I wouldn't, I would not want to have a different game played at home to start the season. I think it's like the best. Ooh, I'm not, that's not what I mean. I'd rather play Eastern Michigan to start the season at home. <laughs> but if we're going to play Penn State, I don't want to play there. That's It's a hard place to go in and win. So I'm I'm really thrilled that it's going to be here. What do you think? The st- I mean, the stadium is going to be electric. It should be. I mean, and I know they have the, the various COVID protocols in there, too, and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, I think, it you know, it, that'll, you know, how everything and just the variant, the Delta variant that's out there too. Just uh, I'm, I'm one to me, I'm wondering just how that'll affect crowd attendance or just uh, the atmosphere, but regardless having fans where you didn't have fans last year, I remember watching that Illinois season opener and you just, you hear the piped in noise and you just, I'm watching on my TV looking around. Cause I went, you know, Ben Wargo covered the, the beat for us last year. And I was looking around like, on my TV, like you're hearing the pumped up noise and I see a cardboard cutout of Joe Ferguson. I call it out on Twitter. I'm like, what is that you? He's like, yeah, I go, okay. Uh, it was just weird. Um, and it, you know, and so, you know, one, I hope everyone's safe, uh, but two, it's going to be, you know, if the atmosphere should be electric, if they're doing the stripe out, like where they're, they're going to be doing, um, you know, I, I personally and selfishly love, going and walking from my parking spot in the media and smell, you know, smelling for the mile. I have to walk the brats, the burgers, the, the, the fires, the getting the propane, the charcoal, give me, you know, and then, you know, even on the way back, maybe some stale beer, uh, for walking back to the parking lot, you know, cause fans just fans are fans, uh, in Wisconsin, but you know, I think, you know, it's a huge home field advantage, you know, for, for Wisconsin, if you're going to play someone, you know, and it's one thing where you go to like Lambeau in 2016 and have LSU in, in Wisconsin, which by the way, I still hands down is my favorite game that I've covered just because uh, the atmosphere between two really good, dedicated yeah. fan bases, I will never forget just because, and they were all cordial to, I think the coolest thing was that they were all cordial to each other at the beginning, yeah. of the game, you know, before the game, they're all talking, they're all enjoying themselves, um, you know, and then the atmosphere in the in Camp Randall was just fun for me mm-hmm. um or not camp randall lambo uh right. but it, yeah anyways but it, i think just having those fans back you're going up against a top 25 team top 20 team in penn state who has a very i think it's gonna be a tall challenge for wisconsin secondary to play Jahan dotson and parker washington uh and it, and it all i mean again it also goes on the arm of sean clifford it's going to be a fun at challenging atmosphere but it's going to be one that you want at home yeah, and I, th- I think one of the things that really uh, stood out to me at the initial release of the depth chart, the thing that stands out to everybody, is the fact that Malusi was named the starter, and there's no or designation between him and Berger. Like, you know, so many times we see that or designation, which they didn't actually have any of uh, on this initial depth chart, which surprised me a little bit. You were at uh, Coach Christ's press conference this morning. What was it that he said, and from what you saw as well at open practices, what made Malusi, you know, be that even if it's a half step ahead of Berger, who was sort of like the presumed starter coming in, what made it so that Malusi became the guy? You really, it just, uh, Paul mentioned today how essentially the word consistent came up and that it means a lot. And he, he showed that, you know, he, he displayed the most, he was the most consistent back there. He, but Paul also mentioned the fact that, you know, Wisconsin is a spot where they need 
other backs step up when called upon and not just participate, but play well. And so, and then he, you know, called out, you know, Jalen and Isaac Arendo, you know, Braylon Allen, you know, the true freshman who looks, when you see him, he is all of six, two and 235, 240 pounds. Uh, it will be, I mean, I, Malusi showed a lot in fall camp to me, like he was patient. And then when he hit a hole, he burst, he showed a bit of burst out there. He could catch out of the backfield. You know, I know Gary Brown, when I talked to him during media day in early August, he mentioned that he believes that Malusi could be a three down back. And that includes obviously pass protection. And so I, I feel that, you know, Malusi probably gives him the best chance to be that uh, in that round. And even Mertz mentioned that just how I asked him just about the, you know, how he felt, you know, with Malusi and just getting to those first team reps. And he said that, you know, basically the way that he approached coming in and, and making use of his reps and just kind of doing the, the Wisconsin smart, tough, dependable way, you know, use a smart, tough, dependable slogan that's been with the program since Chris returned uh, to Wisconsin. So it's been, I, I think those all stood out about Malusi. Uh, you know, I'm intrigued to see what he does against another defense and that's not Wisconsin and just how, you know, one, how the line opens up, but two, just what he makes them up. If he gets into that second, third levels, just what he can do uh, with the field, you know, out in the open there. Um, but it's also just, I want to see what, you know, I, even though there's that no or designation, I still, you know, as Paul mentioned, there's still going to be carries for Malu or for not just Malusi, but Berger. I'm guessing at some point you'll see Isaac Grendo or Braylon Allen possibly at some point, because it's just how Wisconsin's it, it, the, the back and the nature of the backfield's always been that way where, you know, you had, you know, John Clay and Monty ball and James white in 2010. And then you've had even 2013, even though Clement didn't play that much, you still had him, but then of course, Melvin Gordon and, and James white there. And so you have these like complimentary backs that you're always going to, it's always good to have that. I think in college football, just for wearing Terry grand Jonathan Taylor is kind of the exception to the norm from what you saw from 2017 to 2019. But, uh, you know, I think you know, Malusi's showed what he can do in, in fall camp and uh, looks like he'll get the first up. But I, again, I wouldn't, as Paul alluded to, like, I'm sure there's going to be others that are going to get carries too to spell and, and see what happens next. Paul does a good job of rotating guys. Yeah. That's what I like. You know, like, um, you know, we had Anthony Davis on last time, right? He was stellar, like above and beyond head and shoulders, although he's short, sorry, the head and shoulders above, you know, Booker Stanley, who I actually thought was a good back. But he was not the starter, right? Like, so what? What I'm interested in, like, can these guys? I mean, Jalen was the starter last year, so you have two to three, four guys potentially who can help. What I love is that, you know, Malusi's going to be fresh in the fourth quarter. You know, he doesn't need to take. AD was taking 30 hits a game. That's a lot of hits for anybody. You know, like I didn't want to take 30 hits. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, I just fell down. Um, so like what, what you said makes, first of all, makes me very happy because I would rather have three or four guys. Not so not, I don't like when people come in and they do like the same play every time. I think that's really frustrating because as a coach, you're like, Oh, let's fool them again. And you right. never do it. Like everyone knows, Oh, there, it's going to be a screen. So I, I, you know, I'm really interested to see what these guys can do from what you're saying. Like, you know, Isaac, from what I read, he's a big dude. He's might, might be the fastest guy on the team. Like, I love that. Like, I feel like yeah. these guys are going to get opportunities to make each other better and to compete. And I'm just really interested. So what, what would you say is like, is the chemistry from, from Chez coming in like with him and Mertz, like that's a huge, 
you know, he's coming in from outside. Jalen's been there. This is his second year. Yeah. So, Jalen's second year. Yep. Yeah. So like, what's, what's the chemistry like in that room? Like Gary's new, I'm obsessed to, to meet him. He seems like, he's <laughs> so what's Gary like when the, when you're not recording, like if you ask him a question without the recorder on, that's what I want to know. Like, would you drink a beer with that guy or have him at a cookout? <laughs> and like, what do you feel that energy is like? You know, first off, I haven't had a chance to actually have really many off the record or just off the recorder conversations with Gary yet. Uh, it's just because I, we, we've had him. Uh, the first time we talked to him was spring ball, but that was via Zoom. So there's no way he could really, you know, you can't like put in a message to Brent, you know, to like the Wisconsin uh, communications yeah. director. Be like, hey, 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 let me talk to Gary real quick via, via DM. Yeah, I would love to do that. It'd be hilarious. Um, but, you know, I didn't get a chance to really talk to him too much uh, on, on media day, uh, you know, outside of the the podium and whatnot, but we see the energy on the field with what he does. And I've had a lot of fun with hearing, I mean, like he's very vocal and I, I don't remember. And it's been a couple of years. So my memory is a little foggy because of the pandemics in terms of just figuring out, you know, remembering back in 2019, if I heard John settle do have the same thing. And, and John said, obviously was a great running backs coach. He is a great running backs coach. He's in mm-hmm. Kentucky now in a you know, position that he wanted to be in, but you know, you also have like Gary's just what he's like, he's yelling. He's like, that's it. Like, I mean, in terms of Garendo, I remember, I remember like putting my notes, I wrote about it in my, one of my practice reports, you know, during a team session, you know, Garendo ran the ball well. And next thing you know, you hear Gary saying, you know, you know, that's it, that's it. Or you hear, you know, good, another run later on. That's how you run it. Isaac, that's how you run it. You know, that, that stuff. But he's also got nicknames for the running backs. And, and so there's a walk on true freshman walk running back named Grover Bordelotti. And he calls him Sesame street. Like I heard Sesame street out there and like, I'm laughing just because one, I'm, I have three boys. Right. So it is a, uh, I'm used to Sesame street, but he's like, Hey, and like, it was this one tackling drill once. And he just, and Bordelotti got past, you know, him like one defender twice. And he goes, Sesame street does it again. Uh, and just like, there's this energy that he has, uh, that, you know, I, you know, it, it's, it's fun. And if you watch the mic up, mic'd up session that on Wisconsin social media, you, you can see firsthand just how he says it. And there's some expletives there, but you know, they're having fun with it, uh, and whatnot, but it is, you know, he, to me, he's brought energy, uh, you know, into that room and, and the talking about the chemistry, Matt, you know, Jalen, you know, told me, cause I had talked to him at the beginning of camp and, and Berger said that he felt like he was his, Melissa was his brother already. Like they clicked right away that, you know, Melissa comes over to his house, they play games, et cetera. You know, mm-hmm. that, so there, there's already a bond there. And I think that room is just, there's so much talent. Uh, and to me, it's still unproven, right? Even Melissa being a, you know, part of, you know, Clemson and, and that prestigious powerhouse, you still have, you know, he's still behind Travis yeah, ETN, right? So he's, you know, it's one of those things where he had 427 yards in 20 games, 21 games. So what can he do now that he's going to be one of the main backs? Right now he is the number one tailback, but you know, how will that continue? What will he do? Berger, how will he change and develop and emerge further? Cause we saw great spurts. He had 15 carries each of the four games he played in last year. And he was close to hundred yards, almost every game. So it's all, so where, you know, what steps does he take this year? Um, especially with Malusi, who's a little bit more of a veteran ahead of him. Uh, even in, like I said, there's Garendo, uh, there's Braylon Allen, Brady shipper, uh, Paul Chris called out too on uh, terms of having a good camp uh, there at times. And uh, you know, you have also Julius Davis who, 
for, you know, the reserve reps that he got, he ran with some burst and, you know, he got into the second level a couple of times too. So there, there's talent in that room. Uh, it's just now just how is that going to move, you know, move and, and how's the line going to meld and just how will they progress this year where, you know, like I said, there is talent in that room, but just how are they going to do it in the game experience? Definitely. Definitely. Before yeah. we jump in uh, to, uh, to talk about Penn state and a couple more position groups, uh, we have uh, a new partner here on the pod uh, and that's playactionpools.com. Uh, this season play action pools is going to be bringing some interactive fun to our favorite sport that of football you'll be able to get in on the action with playactionpools.com football pick'em challenge which is open to everyone here's how it works you go sign up for our contest believe football pick'em b-l-e-a-v football pick'em at playactionpools.com and then you get your picks each week we're going to select 10 of the highest profile games of the week between nfl and college football whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. So again, let's head on over to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest, Believe, B-L-E-A-V, football, pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, pick them, as well as some cool sportsbook style concepts for you to build your own bankroll. That's playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. Um, so we've been talking about the running backs, which is a deep, but unproven position. I think that the offensive line is a little bit unproven this year as well, especially with the news that Tittman's going to be starting at center. Caden Lyle's been starting for two years, I think, uh, for the last two years at center, uh, going on to this one, uh, after he took over for Biotish when, uh, Biotish went up to the league. But I think that it's just, it's really interesting for me that, my assumption as you know as a little bit more of a fan not as much of an insider as the two of you guys are is that he was going to move better than he's going to move better than Lyles he's going to be a little bit more fleet of foot he's going to be a little bit more able to pull and reach a little bit better what do you think Jake was the big reason that Tipman is getting the starting nod over the veteran Lyles I mean it's one of those things where it's funny because Tipman's I looked at Wisconsin's rosters a second ago. He's 6'6", 320. And that's for a center is okay. You know, I mean, and, and Lyles, I mean, he's no slouch either. I mean, I was looking at what he had and I'm just making sure he was 6'3", 312. And so, yeah, he's about three inches shorter, you know, according to UW stats, but also, you know, not that much, you know, maybe eight pounds lighter. And that was after, I don't know if you know, uh, I read, I wrote an article about Lyle saying he had a vegan diet where he dropped from about 340 down to 310. 315 ish. And so he did that, you know, and just wanted to change his body that way. Um, but with, with Titman though, I mean, Mertz has talked about him. Like he just wants to dominate. He's physically ready. Uh, Titman had that, he had labrum surgery on his shoulder, uh, you know, last year and it took him four to six you know, months for recovery. He didn't do much, if at anything at all during spring ball, where the only thing he did that I saw, like he wasn't even fully dressed. He was just snapping the ball, the Mertz during particular periods. Uh, and so he was still resting up, but he got back in the weight room. You know, he's benching, I think, I think he said 430 and squatting 615 pounds. Uh, so he's, he's physically ready. He's, he's physical. He wants to dominate. Uh, I think Graham Mertz may have called him a, a mauler, if I'm not mistaken. So it, it's one of those things that, uh, and that's, I think, uh, that's Mertz's t- uh, roommate for that matter. Uh, so it's, it's one of those things where, he's proven himself where he can be physically dominant. And like, you want that. I mean, especially if you want that run game going, who else better than a center that's going to roll over you and go from there. Uh, and we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens in 
first snaps coming up because you know we he's what he saw some action last year i think against michigan before in northwestern until he get that surgery he had that surgery so um I, I but things i liked what i saw where you know he's just held line of scrimmage he made some plays there uh again we'll see just what they do against a different defense but uh, i think with you know him beating out a redshirt senior is huge where a lot of people thought lyles would be the center uh i thought he might he would be just because I didn't have Tipman in my projections for my fall camp preview for, for the offensive line, because we didn't see him that much. Uh, we didn't see him at all. So I didn't have a great just starting point about where he could line up. And he, this is a guy that he's six, six. So he could be on a tackle if you wanted him to, but he also, you could be a guard, uh, an interior lineman. Right now he's at center. So um, I, I think there's a lot to look, you know, a lot of positivity. I think there's a lot of potential with, with Tipman and, uh, we'll see what he can do with with uh, a very stout Penn State uh, front four, front seven coming up. Kaden Lyle's going to play though. He's going to play. I think he'll play a lot. Yeah, you think so? I mean, not yeah. a center, but I think he'll play. Right. He, I think he's like a utility guy. You know, like if he's and he's got a ton of experience. You know, first of all, I love to see a sophomore beat out a senior. Not, not for any like, mis, mis what, what word am I looking for? Not for like a, a mean way. Right. Just that, you know, if he's a mauler, like Mertz says, like that's the guy you want. You want these hungry guys, right? I'm not saying he right. isn't hungry. I just like that. Like, I, I you want your quarterback to be like, I want to stand behind that guy because he's a psycho. And I think <laughs> from previous years, Donovan Rayola was bananas. And, yeah. You know, you he led by example. He called out the past coverages. He knew exactly what we were doing. He was another guy who would pull all the time. Like, he was, he could move. Like he wasn't the strongest dude in the weight room, but he could move and he would cut guys and he would, and then he would talk smack to him after he cut him. And it was hilarious. And I don't know. I just, you just like that type of energy from alignment. Jake, I have a question that has nothing to do with football for a second. What's up? You're in a dark alley. You can only pick from 10 linemen on this list. Who do you want besides Matt Bernstein in that dark alley? Oh gosh! So the offensive lineman from this, 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 from this too deep, from this, this too, too deep. deep, yes, this too deep. Uh, Jack Nelson. I, I just, yeah. I, I think with him, I mean, we've seen him. Like, tell me I wasn't able that. to see. Tell me about that. Yeah, I was gonna say we, there were some things where during practices where there's some, you know, when the pads are on, there's a little bit of scuffles and mentality, uh, and I wasn't able to catch like who sometimes started it. But sometimes I saw it and I saw like Nelson be one of the last ones out. My eyes were like, and like I said, I'm not trying to have speculation here, but it's like a lot of us were in the, in the reporters were like kind of looking at each other. Was that, was that Nelson again? Was that Nelson? Was that Nelson? Um, but even just not even just based off of what we saw in practice, but it was a, from what you talk to others about Nelson, um, particularly like someone like Matt Henningsen who has to face him and just the, the mentality that, you know, the attitude that, you know, Henningsen praised his praise that and just, being physical, Jack Sanborn, you know, when I asked him like, you know, the players that he thought could, you know, that, that could, you know, stand out or surprise, you know, um, during big time media days, he had mentioned Nelson because of, uh, you know, just the, the mentality he had. And, um, I know, you know, our good friend, Zach Halprin from, uh, the camp, you know, he had a, he talked to Jake Ferguson about that and about how Sanborn and Nelson would go against each other. So, you know, he, that's a guy that's playing again, could be a, a tackle, Six seven three zero four, 
but he's in guard and then he's smashing people and pulling and, and whatnot. So, and just what, from what I've seen in that mentality, you can give me Jack Nelson there, uh, the red no, freshman. Cause Matt, you mentioned that too, that Jack Nelson was a little bit of like a gritty dude, but you know what though, you have these guys and they, you want to run behind them. You want to practice with them. You want those. Like, I think people are like, Oh, it's so violent. And so first off one, you can't really fight in pads. Like it's an, it's like, right. a, it's, it's, it's a misconception. Like you're not punching people in the face or the head. You're not really doing anything. You're just kind of grabbing and, and kind of like moving around. It's, it's like a weird dance. Yeah. And you might talk a lot of trash, but it's not violent. But you want those guys to do it. I remember when I went to Detroit, Donovan's brother was there. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but Dominic. Dominic. Oh, he was <laughs> cool. Right away, he's like, Bernie, it's good to see you, man. And I was like, good to see you. And then in practice, he just come up to me like, watch, I'm going to get into a fight right now. For no reason. <laughs> and we'd go into the go into the play and he would get into a fight immediately. And I think he just did it because he's like, I am the leader and no one else will be that guy on the offensive line. And he's like, I'm awesome. He probably is like, I'm just not going to respect the D-line. They were pretty solid too. I mean, they lost every single game that year. I mean, that's probably why they that's that's probably because they cut me. That's probably what happened. Yeah, it's bad uh, karma. Bad, <laughs> bad, bad karma. Um, no, but I love that. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see like, you know, it, the line to me is it, they need to step up. I think Keenan Lyles will be, a, a, he'll still be like a leader there, but I'm, I'm excited. I think now I would love to hear what you think about now Rudolph can focus on them instead of doing so much on the sidelines. I feel like that's a huge, right. that's very promising for these young guys to have a coach always. Like I remember during games, Coach White was the offensive uh, coordinator. So like if he needed to tell me something, Coach Mason would come up and tell me or he would call down. But like who's really calling down for the fullback? Not many people. So I'd get, I, you know, I'd get MF'd by the, you know, line coach. But it was, it was a different, it was just a little bit different. You know, like I had to come off the field and go to the yeah. backs area and talk with them to see like what was going on. I feel like now it's, you can't ask a question. Right. I'm not asking the line because yeah. he already hates everyone. Right. Remember uh, Huber? So I was like, yeah, isn't that guy a question? So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't ask. <laughs> Sorry, man. I, <laughs> I, hear you. I hear you. I've been, around, I've been around a lot of people getting very upset during games in that area. And like, you try to keep it hushed, yeah. it's too hard. Um, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, but no. <laughs> but you're, you're saying with Rudolph, right? I yes. mean, with, with him, he, I think it'll be big. Uh, it, it's rough for me because you see the offensive output that they had the first two games of the year and he was calling plays and you're like, okay, you know, like, was it really you know, the play calling that, that, that was that threw him away or that threw away those other games? Or was it like the injuries that Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis, Yes, which they, they, they missed nine games last year. And that took yeah. the wind out of the sails, you know, talking, you know, Graham Mertz, after that, you know, the, the whole COVID games, you know, he came back, but we didn't know about this until UWBadgers.com published a story. He had injured his throwing shoulder at Michigan. So did that play a role? Even though he, you know, I asked him about it in the spring. He said, you know, you know, there's no excuse for my play, even though it happened, you know, there, there, the injuries, and then you're playing a COVID year. Like, you know, it, it was to me, I thought there were a lot of things flowing around, but you know, when you also have, you know, the fact that your, your offensive line, I mean, Caden Lyles went out for, you know, for the rest of the year after the Indiana game, 
couple snaps in the Indiana game mm-hmm. uh, with his MCL and tibia uh, injuries. And then, you know, and so you have an experienced line and that's being shuffled a little bit. I think it'll be good for Wisconsin. If, if Joe focuses in on that offensive line, I mean, you've seen what, you know, even during um, I would say during practices where, you know, I, I think, trying to find that competition from the best five and just you're seeing what he's he was doing and he was like besides the injuries at the uh, all of the edges at tackle you're seeing him you know you're seeing seltzner one day and then you know, he healed on the ma- majority of the fall camp practices uh, seltzner did at left guard cormac sampson got in one day and he but he was saying he was battling he was like he was intrigued by those battles uh seltzner won it outright but also cormac was needed <laughs> almost everywhere else on the line because of, because of injuries or other yeah. things going on. But, you know, you, I thought, you know, I think it would be good for Joe and, and the, the line in terms of the need to make, I mean, as you mentioned the coordinator spot where, you know, Brian white, you know, if you can't talk, you know, to, to your position, you know, like this will give Joe to make, have the ability to have good in-game adjust, adjustments, more cl- closer contact and, and having that ability to to see, Hey, what's going on and just make those adjustments where necessary and make them quicker for that matter, probably uh, just I'm speculating in here, but that's how I how I'm thinking it. So he doesn't have to worry about calling plays or, you know, worrying about that. Uh, so I think, I think it'll be good for the line. And I think it, you know, having Chris, you know, assume the play calling duties again, he's, you know, also used to that. You've seen that what, what's happened when he's been able to do it uh, for years, both as a coordinator and as head coach. Mm-hmm. So I'm, um, you know, I think it'll be a good change. I, I even think having, Chris coached the quarterbacks again, uh, you know, with John Budmeyer going and getting a promotion at Colorado state up to offensive coordinator. I think having that ability of what you've seen with Chris developing quarterbacks, especially in their second year uh, in, you know, as a starter, you saw what happened with Scott tools in year one, Scott tools in year two was dynamite. I think there's more offensive firepower now in 20, you know, 2020 compared to 2010 ish. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, I could say like, maybe, maybe I'll, it's it's comparable. I feel, I think there's still a lot of improving backs with, I mean, grand Monte ball got going that year a lot, even though he had some action in 22, you know, 20, uh, was it 2009? 2009. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But they have stuff like that where I think the offense fire powers there for Wisconsin. Um, and you're, you know, I think Mertz underneath the tutelage of, of Chris is going to be huge. And I think Rudolph having that ability to be more in depth possibly with that line and just figure out what's going on and making necessary adjustments is going to be huge. Yeah, I actually didn't not like Rudolph at calling the plays. Right. I just think it's, first of all, I think that job is really hard. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. you have to coach a group, a unit. And I actually think the running back coach might be the best guy for it because he's <laughs> get the ball and run. Like, you know, it's, it's not brain surgery compared to the line actually is brain surgery. And yeah. That, there's some chess going on. There's a lot of chess. And if you can't see and can't communicate down to your guys when they come off the field, there's a quick turnover. Those guys are going back out and they could make the same mistakes. Now they sit, they'll come off whatever time they have. They will have that time with a specific coach who knows every single thing about the unit. Not so much 50% unit, 50%. Hey, did these plays work? What are we looking at coming up? Kind of like that. I trust, I trust both of them. I like that coach. Chris is coaching the, the quarterbacks and calling the plays because he's only has to talk to one person. Right. Let's be real. He's got Jimmy Leonard, you know, defending. I don't, he doesn't have to do anything with the defense. Like he should worry. So I'm, I just think coach Chris did a good job. He did like a Barry Alvarez thing. He's like, let me just take what I want to take during a game and let me trust all these other guys to do their job. And I think 
that makes me happy because if he can focus on Graham and have conversations and help him, yeah, hey, what are you seeing? Let's have this conversation during a game. That's only going to help that guy. Yeah. So that, I'm just fired up about that. That makes me excited. <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah. Well, well. Speaking of getting fired up, let, let's uh, let's play it forward to this coming weekend because we're uh, you know we're run we're run low on time here on the, on the podcast. I don't want to take uh, Jake away from the family for too too long, but you know, fill in the blank for me, Jake. The Badgers yeah. will beat Penn State if if they put pressure on Sean Clifford to create turnovers. And it's one of those things that we saw that in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, where they had what four straight was it four straight drives of interceptions uh, or you know, turnovers created. Seems like a, like forever ago, by the way, that it, that game <laughs> like it's December. No, that's that's baloney. That's been at least two or three years ago. <laughs> but you also but you saw that when they can get pressure, if they can get if Benton can get in the backfield, if Herbig and Lytle and Burks and I think Chanel and Sanborn. I mean that there's you can have that pressure come in and dial in and you know how Leonard can, how Jim can just go in and make, you know, this find little things and then exploit them. I think that's going to be huge if they can get to Clifford. And by the way, for that matter, Penn state gave up 28 sacks in, in nine games last year. And they had two of their players go on to the NFL. If they can, uh, and with the new offensive coordinator, again, we'll see what happens with what type of RPO mixing matching that, Penn state wants to do and how they try to create miss uh, mismatches with the, the defense. But if Wisconsin can get home and, and create sack third and longs and et cetera, and force, you know, three and outs, that's going to, I mean, defense can, will win you that, that for you. So I, I think that's one big key. If they don't, if they allow, like, and, and I like Wisconsin secondary, I like Caesar Williams and Fayon Hicks. I like what Hicks can do in the slot too. And then they have, I mean, they listed talk about depth start changes. They had four second team cornerbacks uh, listed. And I asked uh, Leonard about that a little earlier today. I'm like, so four of them and, and just what stands out. And, but I mean, Jim's always been about the ability to like, you know, find the cornerback. that's going to be good for a, mat, um, a mismatch depending on who's on the outside or on the slot. So, it, you know, but if they don't get back, you know, if they put the pressure on and leave some situations where you have an, I don't know, you know, all conference receiver in Dotson, and then you have an emerging, I mean, those two are both in my eyes, NFL capable receivers at some point down the line. I mean, there could be some problems. Uh, we're, we're still yet to see who's going to be the number three receiver for Penn state or when they trot on the field or who could replace a uh, pet or the free remove month or whatever. Fire from, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fire move. Thank you. Um, like a tight end. So we'll see what happens with, with that position for, for Penn state. But um, if they can't get back there, if they get, they stumble with the pressure and leaves an open route, that could be a, a big play too. If the secondary can't uh, contain Dotson in, in Washington too. Okay, and then secondly, the true freshman that plays the most snaps this season is blank. Um, I mean, talking to, to Paul today, you know, Chris had said you know, he thought that Hunter Waller and Braylon Allen would be get pro roles on the special teams, which makes sense. Um, I think that's that's a key right there. Um, you're looking at two, I would say, he mentioned Marcus Allen's in the depth for receiver. He wasn't in the two deep. So, but I'm guessing that there's possibly maybe the three or, you know, maybe you'd be a contributor that way. I mean, uh, I was talking to Danny Davis today and he thought that Marcus Allen, the four-star receiver could be uh, in the, you know, in the mix uh, to get some time. So uh, those three are kind of sticking out to me, you know, 
I would probably say Allen just getting, I mean, it's hard to say snaps, but I, I think he would be the one I'm trying to think there's any, the linemen weren't there. Um, none of the, none of the tailbacks yet. Only other guy I could think of was Peterson. Cause I know he, Darryl, popped, he yeah, popped Darryl, a little bit during, during, uh, during camp at outside linebackers, especially in pass yeah. rushing downs. I mean, cause he got what, like, didn't he have back-to-back seasons of 20 sacks in high school? Like, it's something what, along those lines where like, Daryl... Like one of the highest in like the history of the state of Ohio. He has like some of the most sacks ever. Yeah, so. Peterson, and he stood out to like the first open practice we saw fully. He's getting reps right next to Nick Herbig. And there were injuries to the group. Like CJ got didn't practice in team drills that day. Uh, Aaron Witt was out for the like all the fall camp that I saw. For the, he didn't even dress for the open practices that we saw. And he was supposed to be one of the five that I thought were going to be part of that rotation. But here's this true freshman... Like, who's the 17? Oh, that's Peterson going up with Herbig and for a few reps. And then, you know, he was getting reps with next to Spencer Lytle and Isaiah Green May uh, and, and two. And, you know, and Jim, and you know, he mentioned during was it the 14th uh, that that Saturday after that big defensive dominant Saturday practice that, you know, he, he liked what he was doing, but there's still some, you know, he has a ways to go to make an impact, uh, you know, this season. So we'll see just what if that changed in two, three weeks until that time, or if he'll, you can get in a rotation or maybe just be like, Hey, go blitz that guy. Like just go off the edge. And cause he's, he's game ready where he's like, you know, was it six, two, six, three, nearly 250 pounds. He's around 245, 250. He's already at outside linebacker weight and physicality. If he can just, you know, he still, you know, he said telling me that he needed to work on the coverage a little bit more and work more on that. Cause he never really had to do that in high school. If he can do that, uh, and you know, maybe next year, I think he could make a huge impact, but even if you can get in situations, I think that'd be interesting. I might go Braylon Allen though, with the answer, just because his special teams work and, and, you know, Paul thought, you know, I have the quote right here. Let me just make sure I got it right. Uh, from what Paul said, but he said essentially about Braylon today. Uh, yeah, like. I think Braylon's got some things that he can give us when talking about the running back room. So if that's something that, could possibly where you have Malusi and Berger and Garendo. So if Allen can do something there, um, I would probably say that um, with Waller though, too, like you can tell the talent he's got there. He got at some point, like the third up reps at safety, Jim, you know, Leonard likes to slip, you know, switch the safeties. Like he's just throwing combinations left and right uh, anywhere. But, you know, I like what Waller can bring too. And he was complimentary of what Hunter can bring. But um, I, I think right now I'll say Braylon at the moment, just because what's proven or unproven in the running back room. And then also the special teams work he'll get. I probably agree. Although I, I don't hate redshirting guys. Right. Not a, and you can play four games now. So I don't, I don't hate doing that, but I'm also not a coach. And when you need guys, you need them. Um, what so I have two questions, and sure. you can run through these quick. I'm really excited about the wide receivers. I think Kendrick Pryor throw it to three, like from Lee Evans, throw it to three. <laughs> um, who's the third guy to you? We, I know we're running yeah. out of time, so who's the third? Oh, so good. And then my last question is, what are you just most excited about this season? Yeah, let's uh, with the receiver part. The third one's going to be Chimray DK okay. and number 13. I think he's just going to have, and I think, you know, he, I listed him as one of the players that I thought had a great fall camp. He had a great spring ball for that matter. This is like, you know, and Mertz, like, someone had asked, a reporter asked him during media day in August, just, you know, what type of step do you think DK will take this season? And Mertz laughed and said, Jim takes a step every day. 
And so that's what you want to hear from your, your QB one about a receiver. That's a, he's a second year and he played well. He had 12 receptions that, you know, had 189 yards in that 50 yard touchdown against Northwestern. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's also learning some things and, you know, it's a true freshman being thrusted into your starting role that, Oh gosh, you know, it's a, you know, in Paul's offense, there's, there's a lot that you have to know and not just receiving above also blocking, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, but th- he took steps this year. I thought, I, th- I thought, you know, from what we saw, if any indication of what spring ball and fall camp brought, he can catch we're thrown in within his radius. He makes the catch, you know, a very significant, ch- you know, chunk of the time he has the ability to, you know, get separation. He has the, up, you know, and he can, like I said, he can reel it in. I still remember during spring ball, just, it was that, that Mertz pass where he dropped back, he threw it and he, we didn't, th- I didn't see where it's going. I'm like, ah, it's not going to go anywhere. And like he, Mertz won credit to him throwing it in a window that, you know, he threaded the needle, but also DK caught the ball and kept his feet in bounds in the corner of the end zone. You know, it looked like two feet instead of one feet, uh, one foot. And that was a touchdown. And so, you know, there's things you see out of his game and he's added to, he told me, uh, DK did a couple weeks ago that he added 10 pounds on his body. He's trying to be more consistent, more with his techniques to improve his techniques. So I think that's going to be a big year for DK and if, if Davis and Pryor, like, who Pryor said he ran like a four three seven. I think he tweeted that um, in the summer, but you have the, those two and then DK, that could be a really formidable trio and 11 personnel, that three wide receiver set that, you know, Wisconsin will go to a lot. And I think they ran that. That's like the predominant personnel grouping they mm-hmm. had for the past couple of years. Dunn's um, also a trustworthy guy. Right. He's a, he's a reliable hand. He's willing to do anything. We saw him get running. He took over running, running back reps in the spring when they were down in tailbacks. Yeah. That guy, I mean, there's immense respect for a walk-on, former walk-on. I think he's a former walk-on now. Um, but he at least walked down the program. You've seen what he's been able to do. And, and teammates love him, for that matter. You know, I remember Tyler Biotish just glowing about him back in 2019 after he scored that one touchdown yeah. uh, off a jet sweep and just talking about what he does for the team. So He reminds uh, me know, of yeah. like, a, like a, uh, Ryan Braun. Yeah. And like you, We had Nick Davis, Lee Evans, and like our third guy. David Brown, right? And you had, every time you threw him the ball, he caught it somehow. But he wasn't yeah. that guy. Like he wasn't a speedster, but he was just reliable. I like that about Jack. And I think I like to hear that um, DK step taking that step because if you take what happened last year, we need these guys like badly. We need wide receivers. All right. Yeah. Jake, what is your, besides like a Wando's fishbowl, what is your favorite? <laughs> what are you most excited about? It could be about the team where it could be about just anything. I think honestly, and, and real, real quick about the receivers too. Don't sleep on Devin Chandler for that matter. For the second year receiver, he flashed. I know you like him. Yeah, I see that. Uh, for those that don't see, he's like he tapped his chest. Uh, Matt did, uh, but uh, Chandler looks very. I mean, he's he didn't flash as much as he did during spring ball, but he still has the big play potential um, and whatnot and reeling in big catches. He had one uh, against Fayon Hicks, I think on the, the open practice that stood out to me, he also is going to be the number one kickoff returner. And you saw what he did against Wake Forest. I think you should, you know, AJ Abbott's a fourth year receiver that I think could make a you know, like he looked more reliable during at least the spring. Didn't see, he didn't make much of a, as much of a splash in, fall camp, but, uh, Marcus Allen's another one. I think he started getting, it felt like he was getting more receptions or targets to him uh, that second week of fall camp. And it'll be interesting to see what he does. Uh, what I'm most excited for though, uh, y'all is just, um, you know, last year I, I, I left my job at, at, at the time I was at SI running their all badgers.com and with everything going on, like Wisconsin went to, or Madison, I should say the Madison school district went to all virtual learning which I did not blame at all. We got to do, we got to protect people. We got to keep mm-hmm. them safe. 
you know, we still keep, you know, and so, but I tried doing that while running the site and then having three boys in school on zoom meetings and Google classroom. And it didn't work well for any of us in the household. And so I stepped away from a full-time, I, I walked away from the beat for, you know, and I still were, I, John McNamara, God bless him, you know, messaged me right away after I put out my announcement on Twitter saying, Hey, y'all, I'm stepping back. I need to take care. I'm hoping to get back on the beat sometime. But he said, Hey, if you want to do things, some like part-time work here and there. Um, I said, yeah, like if you want me to, um, and I've, I'm very grateful for that, but just getting back on the beat and I'm already excited because, you know, I traveled down the big 10 media days in Indianapolis and just uh, human interaction. You know, we all want to be safe too. I always stress that enough, especially with the pandemic and just what's happened in the past 18, 20 months. Um, but you know, when you were being safe and, but you're interviewing players in person, you're talking to Paul live, uh, you know, you know, and even today, you know, we're talking to six to eight players uh, today or coaches too with that. And you're in person. Yeah. You know, and, and, and just discussing things and just, there's an interaction there. There's like, I'm excited to be back on the beat just to provide coverage. Like, you know, I'm in covering practice and I always joke about like, whenever I go back to the quote unquote real world, cause you know, even though this is a job and it is a job, people don't realize just, you know, you know, the media part about it where, you know, we're, you know, y'all are doing podcasts. So that takes up, you know, one to two out, one to two to four hours a day, you know, a week, you know, for, for us, we're writing stuff, we're reporting, we're, you know, we're trying to put together stories. And I sometimes have that anxiety where I have that one word I'm trying to find and I can't find it in my thesaurus and I'm getting so angry, but yet when a story comes out, right. You're like, okay, like I'm excited to tell the stories again. Like, you know, I have been for like the past month and a half. I'm excited to, you know, be back up in the press box because I didn't know if I'd ever actually be back up there. I just thought that, you know, okay, I'll do this part-time. I'll help John with recruiting. Cause I can, I, I talked to a bunch of the recruits from the 2021, you know, 2020 class and, and whatnot, but would I ever get back to it? Would I ever get back up to traveling or doing stuff? And that to me, it's, you know, it's a, it, it's a joy. It's a job. First and foremost, I treat it like a career. Obviously I would love to stay in this as long as possible and hopefully, you know, provide for the family, but just sitting down and just like, okay, I'm here in Camp Rain. Like when I, Saturday, when I sit down, hopefully with some diet Pepsi in my hand, you know, maybe some pre-workout, we'll see how amped I get. Um, cause that's how I am. I, I give you the pre-workout. Uh, but it's also just sitting back and just watching a college football game in person. And then just, you know, covering it to me, that's what I'm most excited for. That's how much I'm excited for it. And just like, I feel the energy this week. Like it's this good, positive vibes, you know, in my heart, I'm feeling my energy, you know, my workouts are probably gonna be insane this week. I'm gonna try to shoot for 500 on the squat. I'm not, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, but anyways, it's going to be fun. Uh, and I'm just, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on too. talking this. This is, this is like, it's all about the interaction. Good for you, man, for taking a step back and helping your family. That's very respectful. I think that's really cool. I appreciate that. I mean, it was tough. I mean, it was just one of those things where you don't like I, Laura and I had made a decision in mid July when we had heard about it. We we're like, okay. Like I told her, I go, look, I'm just going to, I mean, we're, we're the big thing to, I think to realize, uh, and I realized this right off the bat, that we were fortunate enough to go down to a one income family. Like mm-hmm. we know that other families don't have that. And I, you know, I, you know, I continually preach that too, where fam, some families don't have that option. And so we were thankful that we were able to do that. Um, but yeah, it's just one of the things where you just got to focus on the boys and, you know, it, it was tough, you know, for, for all of us, we, we got through and, uh, the boys are doing great. Like they're my, they're my pride and joys. So it's, uh, but no, it's, it's one of the things where you gotta do what you gotta do. And you just, you know, hope there's another chance down the road. And if not, Hey, you know what? I've had fun too. And it's, you know, I've, I've kind of lived a, 
I didn't ever think that when I was like out of college at UW at 2006 in May being like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go cover the team for like eight or nine years. Like, yeah, yeah I never thought that. it's so cool. I think it's so cool. Good for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Jake, uh, let everyone know where they can find your work and how, where they can find you. Yeah. You guys can find me uh, on Twitter. They didn't verify me today. Twitter validating my bean. Um, I was mad about that. Or, uh, but yeah, it's at Jake Coco, K-O-C-O. Uh, all the work's on badgerblitz.com or you can go to wisconsin.rivals.com uh, for all the work there. We have, uh, we have a podcast too that we have going up there. Uh, we'll have that up later this week. We have tons of, uh, I still got videos for media, media availability today that I'll be posting up later today or tomorrow from today. Uh, there's a lot going on. We're having a lot of fun with it too. Uh, and then of course, we'll have a bunch of game coverage coming up on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and hopefully like I'll have a little bit of a break during Labor Day weekend. We'll see. Uh, but, but, uh, I don't think they're, uh, stopping, uh, interviews on Monday for Labor Day. So I'll be out there on Monday, giving it to y'all too, uh, after the Penn State, Penn State game too. So tune in, have some fun. After the win, you mean? Yeah, there you go. There you go. I mean, I know I see that. I see that smile, man. We got it. You know, I, I gotta be the reporter. I gotta be the object. I gotta be Mr. Objective. You do. All right. You know, Very true. You know, I try. Uh, Listen, every time not. someone asks me, I, I just say 12 and 0, and that has gotten me nowhere in my uh, – <laughs> I'm untrustworthy when it comes to actually telling the truth about what I think the bad – but tell me, Jake, you think we could, we should – we could win every game? We should. We could. I was just going to mention that to you. I, they sh- I mean, if I'm honest, I thought the FPI or whatever ESPN had, that they had them like favored in every game, right? Or they, yep, had them like- they have them favored in every game. I don't know if Vegas has them favored over right. Notre Dame. That's but fair. Vegas has them favored in every other game. So yeah, I, I think, think I mean Notre Dame's like it's like a three point swing either way. So I mean I got one more. Matt, this is for you also. I am so excited to watch us play against Notre Dame. Oh yeah, it's gonna be so much I, fun. I just think it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be so much like, fun. I'm gonna be so nuts. excited. It's gonna yeah. be absolutely nuts. I just I'm think it's gonna to be because we have two quarterbacks basically who like one one was a badger and one I mean, well, now one is a badger though, but I just think that's so exciting. It is a, to me, that's going to be the most fun. And just, I've been reading, like, if, if you, if you go to NotreDame.Rivals.com, they've had a lot of stuff about Cone and what he could bring and to the offense. And I think you don't go to Notre Dame just to sit behind a, a player too. So it's like, you know, they named him starter. And it, to me, that's going to be the, one of the ultimate storylines uh, of the year. And, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. It's in another NFL stadium. So you got to love that. Uh, with Soldier Field, and I mean, it's gonna be another one off my list of NFL stadiums that I've covered games in. So, I mean, that atmosphere is gonna be huge between the two fan bases. I'm looking forward to Lambo in 2026. Uh, hopefully, I think that's when those two teams are facing off then because they had to reschedule from last year. Um, but yeah, and but you know, 12 and 0, I think things could happen. I mean, it's, it's in my eyes, you have you know, Michigan, I think, is still working through things, even though I think maybe this year they're gonna be a little bit better than what happened last year they should at least be better than what happened last year in 2020 uh you know penn state you know still has questions and you're getting them early in the year mm-hmm. uh you know and i think Notre dame's gonna be a big it's gonna be a big time matchup if they can come out with a win there i mean 12 and 0 is possible we'll watch it back ohio state <laughs> last question and matt yeah i'm sorry to keep yeah it's all good go for it matt you got ohio this, state watch your backs you got a target on your backs right <laughs> um does Chicago run out of beer? It won't be like Provo. It'll I be will like Utah. be there. So just, will just be know I okay. will be there. Well, that's a, that's a wild card. That's Does a wild Chicago. card, right? That's an X factor right there. Um, I think it, 
I'm sure they'll be very well stocked, but I think Wisconsin fans and Notre Dame fans will, at least for sure, the Wisconsin fans are going to take a significant chunk out of the, um, the kegs, uh, coming up, you know, in, in late, uh, September, gosh, sorry, late September, we're like a month away from that. Game. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Uh, They'll um, also be bringing down their own kegs of, uh, spotted cows. Spotted so cow. you can't get yeah, that in to, Illinois anyway. You need to for that. You know, I, 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 I go places and now drink the places. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's tradition. I mean, Brian I was down baby. there in, uh, in Tampa for, I'm mean, great. I was down there. I, I did a thing with the UW alumni, uh, chapter down there before that usf game and that was fun even just like they're all drinking they're like hey you want a beer i'm like yeah sure let's go <laughs> yeah. I, you know so I had, you know my wife and i were down there drinking beers with like you know some alums and whatnot and uh but yeah i mean wherever you go i mean it's, and i think wisconsin fans are, are pretty from what i've seen just very i mean they drink well but they're also very when they go places they're not going to be for the most part there's always exceptions to the rule but they're more courteous than other fan bases too but well you know i think if you yeah. if y'all feel that way as well if I mean, not, I, let me I know too. Be, but yeah <laughs> i get it I, I i'm pretty courteous all right guys well we got to wrap it up here so jake thank you so much Thanks, uh, for hanging out with us uh you're thank welcome you back anytime uh you want to come hang out with us so um but until next time gentlemen on wisconsin on wisconsin Oh, being the good reporter that he is, he's not going to say on Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm on that way, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's just. Gonna... Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.